0: You don't sound autistic. uh, What does an autistic person sound like? You're autistic? Yeah, I'm telling you that. You don't even look autistic. But we're talking about... Yeah, but I don't buy it. But I I was diagnosed with autism and ADHD and anxiety and depression. You don't sound autistic. Welcome back to You Don't Sound Autistic. I'm Blake. And I'm Rochelle. And I'm autistic. And I'm not. And we missed a week. We did. Sorry about that, folks. Wasn't feeling it last week
1: It was an emotional week Yeah Well, it was emotional Two weeks almost Two weeks? Yeah, to go from, you know Everything coming up about Elijah Right Reliving kind of our personal story And then as soon as we could turn around And kind of get our foot (coughs) on the ground again It was like 9-11 And those big emotions all over again What
0: happened on 9-11? You're funny I am (laughs) 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 <laughs> 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 That's my one nine eleven joke. <laughs> isn't it weird? It's it's kind of a weird thing because so many other we don't re- usually use the date of something, right? Like why isn't it called something else? You know what I mean? Like I we don't, don't call the Pearl Harbor attack, uh, you know, whatever date that was.
1: Well, I think because the nine eleven attack was multiple cities. I mean, like it affected it affected New York and then the World Trade. No.
0: That is World Transitter. The Pentagon. Right. And
1: then there was the plane that crashed. Like, right. I don't think you could assign any one title to all of those events except the date because they all happened on the same day.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know. It's I,
1: another one of those concept labels, I think.
0: Okay. But you know what I mean? Like, I'm just saying, like, no other... Is there another... Like, other than holidays, there's no real date that you, like, recall something. Like, a negative thing. You you wouldn't... You would normally... It would be a name. Like, World War Two is not a day, but, you know, like, we don't call it, like, oh, the 40s war or something.
1: Right. I think it was just, it was just a lot of trauma all at once. I mean, trauma is one of those things that um, <clears throat> is difficult to define because everyone processed it differently and everyone had different exposure to it. Like, there were people who lost loved ones... In all of the different events, there were people who were in the events trying to survive. Then there's the first responders who are trying to rescue everyone, and that many of them, 1,400 of them, died themselves over the right. the near years, you know, or the following years. So, when you're trying to find a trauma like that, it's difficult to really assign a meaning to all of the layers and levels of those kinds of big emotions. They're huge. They're huge emotions. And and I don't think we got a ton of mental health support to process them.
0: Right. I agree. Yeah. It's one of those, um, I don't want, I don't want to like harp on about nine 11 or anything, but you know, no, it, but it, I think it,
1: it's an important topic to discuss because emotional processing, especially to, you know, to our population, to our to our family even, um, it's a very difficult topic and it's one we don't, not only do we not get a ton of support for, but the doctors would tell you to your face, you don't process emotion. They have told you to your face, you don't process emotion and they've told us, neither does Declan and both of those lines are crap. So yeah, I think it's really important to come out and say what we believe the truth is, which is you're deeply emotional and trauma impacts you just like it would anyone else and it deserves and warrants, um, talk time.
0: Okay. Do you have something you want to say about 9-11?
1: No, I I mean,
0: are you just saying in general,
1: I'm just saying in general, I think, I I think big emotions deserve, um, time to process and they, uh, they deserve the acknowledgement that, that we have big feelings. You know, I think one of the most traumatizing things we do outside of being traumatized is then try and push our feelings aside or say we don't have them, you know, and, and an easy way to know that you're doing that is when you replace feeling your feelings with some sort of action. Like if you put yourself into action, you're actually avoiding, you know, processing feelings. And I don't think we spent enough time talking about that.
0: Okay. Well, I have nothing to contribute because I don't know. It feels like you're leading us somewhere for me to say something, but I don't know if we got there yet.
1: (laughs) That's fair. Um, no, I'm just I'm just kind of...
0: Help me process my <coughs> feelings, Rochelle.
1: Explaining what I felt last week and why I wasn't really up for the show because...
0: And let's talk about that. That's um, interesting, I think. Because we did start recording. We did. Twice. A couple times. And then we did not finish at all. So no. maybe I'll dig through the stuff we recorded and see if any of it's even listenable and put it at the end of this episode. Maybe. So... Stay tuned, maybe or maybe not. It'll be like <laughs> it'll be like uh the, the, the end credits of like a a Marvel movie. It'll I mean like I'll an say extra we tried.
1: Scene. We tried really hard. Yeah. I think, it was I, think
0: I got in trouble for making too many dick jokes. Can you believe that on our show? I know. Dick but, jokes, you know Unbelievable.
1: There's a certain feeling and an energy that you come when you're uh, to when you're listening to something that's engaging and you know, we want our listeners' time to also feel like it's valuable, and, and that they're getting something of quality from us. And, and I think when we're struggling to kind of put together our own thoughts, then that's I'm, not
0: I'm, fair. That was the, I'm always struggling to. But listen to me, <laughs> I'm always struggling to put my thoughts together, and then okay. I have to I have to try and make it make sense for you people.
1: <laughs> now you were just talking about this on Facebook, actually. You, you were framing it a little bit differently and you, and you put it very um, accurately in the context of work. I thought that was super applicable. But you were, you were literally just talking about how to make sense out of a situation that in, uh, internally you're just like scrambling, like a duck on the water.
0: Yeah. I've actually, someone t- called me that at work one time, like a lady, and I didn't really understand what that meant.
1: Oh, it's a concept I, phrase,
0: uh, yeah. Yeah, I know what it. I mean, I know what it means now. Duck on water, you know, like you look cool and calm and collected, but then you're just like little paddling, paddling away, like boop, 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 yeah, boop, boop, boop. yeah. Um, yeah. The thing that I uh, should I just read what I wrote?
1: I thought the way you wrote it was beautiful.
0: Okay, so should I just read it? Sure. So for those people that aren't a part of the Facebook group, mm-hmm. don't forget to join the Facebook group. Be part of the conversation. To me, it's one of my favorite things about doing the show is to be able to see people's comments and. I'd like to see more of them. So, let's hear I'd love to hear from you. I wish we actually I was thinking about this day when I was picking up food. I, was, I wish that there was a way for us to take calls. You know, during the show because there's things that we would say that people might comment on. It'd be awesome if there was a way for us to be able to like
1: like to do the show live.
0: Yeah, and even, even you know what I mean? Like maybe you know, have some people on standby. Like it, it would, it would be. I mean, there's a way difficult. to do
1: it on Zoom and push it out on Facebook. Like you could do Facebook Live. It's not really? impossible. I just would have I wanna, to like I figure out a way to do my hair. Do
0: something like, oh goodness. <laughs> you can't just you can't just do it with audio only. <laughs>
1: on Sundays, I have kind of a radio face.
0: <laughs> I got a movie star face. <laughs> Actually, I I'll get to the thing on Facebook. I just want to mention this because it's. I just thought it was funny. So I'm with um, my boss, the owner of the company. So those are two separate people, the boss and the owner of the company, one of my employees and myself, and we're at um what's that like overpriced rich white persons grocery store called overpriced rich white person grocery store you know what I'm talking about bonds no no, it's like uh, you know it's like they 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 all they sell is kale and kombucha. I
1: have no idea you know what
0: I'm talking about it was over by the massage envy that you worked at
1: what state Colorado? pavilions
0: no this is going to be fun to listen to for people listen to me trying to figure okay, out the the name so of okay so then grocery we need store.
1: our california listeners to help us out because you know that's it's, it's
0: th- in colorado. colorado it was right it was right next to your your office it was a big whole grocery foods, store sprouts? yes whole foods h-o-l-e whole foods <laughs> stick these foods in your hole so we were in whole foods thank you for that finally that helped <laughs> sorry I and and um one me. of my so my employees with me and she says something about.
1: Oh, I remember this. Yeah,
0: she said something about me, and it was really awkward because she was like, "Oh, like you're handsome, Blake," or something like that. And I was like, "Oh, thank you." And then I'm not going to say his <laughs> name, but th- my boss right. like says something else, and then she turns to him and says, "Oh, you've got a face for radio."
1: She was the most direct person I've ever met in my life. I appreciated. Oh, yeah. It was
0: amazing because he does have a face for radio. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well so that's one of the things i really appreciate um about being around and i'll just say specifically an an autistic thinker because there is so much truth and just direct raw like they just tell it i don't think
0: she's autistic
1: i don't know if she is or not i'm not saying she is i'm just saying i appreciate that there's so much honesty in communication um uh, although and so I appreciate that about our conversations. But I will say that the, where I get tripped up is that you can sometimes be so super literal that like... So I, yeah, that then I fail to make my point because you think about things so much more literally than I do. So when I'm speaking, you know, we can miss each other a little bit. But yeah. to tell someone they have a face for radio and it be s- super accurate, like how do you... Although socially you would say, oh my gosh, don't ever say that because you know you're you're intentionally offending someone... But at the same time, you're like, but why would I lie? I mean, when, when I really started looking and peeling apart conversations um, between neurotypical and neurodiverse minds, it's like one knows how to socially lie and the other one doesn't. And I actually appreciate neurodiverse conversations more so because you just can be super direct and real with someone. Yeah you know, and if, and, and we, if we all have a feeling about, you know, if I get offended, those are my feelings and I'll deal with them. Like, I don't need you to lie to me so that I don't get offended. You know, that just that tiptoe indirect dance is just so outdated. So I appreciate, and I've, I've always giggled about that story. Oh, you do have a face for radio. like, that's telling the truth, man.
0: Yeah. Um, One, one, one more thing I wanted to address that, uh, we've, we've talked about off the, off the air, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, is that, uh, sometimes the show kind of goes off the rails. Like there's not (laughs) always like a, a a fine line of direction. And, um, part of that is, well, folks, guess what? You're listening to, um, a man who has ADHD and autism. So thank you for listening and good luck to you. (laughs) And (laughs)
1: anxiety. And sometimes I inadvertently trigger your anxiety. I can tell.
0: Yeah. I'm not, I I don't mean to, but sometimes you say that you think I'm anxious and I actually feel good. And just like fidgety and weird. That's, I'm just being myself.
1: Oh, I don't mind the fidgety. I don't think you're weird. I just think, I think there's sometimes where I've spent so much time thinking about this particular topic all by myself. And then when I try and bring it up for conversation, I realize I'm on this path by myself. (laughs) I'm kind of hoping you'll jump in with me. And at the same time, I realize I've left you behind without you know a flashlight and that's my fault and so i i do recognize there are times i can leave you in a place where i'm like hey Blake help me out and it creates a little bit of anxiety I, the fidget, i don't even notice the fidgetiness or the the nervous physical energy like i just think that's the way your body works i don't it doesn't trigger me it's just i recognize when i've done a less than stellar job of creating conversation that you can banter with me back on so yeah
0: well that's the thing i mean that is true that sometimes when we're having these conversations, I, I I think about it when we're having conversations and we're not, you know, because there's something about being recorded. You are more conscious of what you're saying. Yeah, you want I it think. to be perfect. Um, but when, you're, when we're just speaking, you know, like we're eating a little bit ago and I'm still enjoying some of that taco because it's stuck my <laughs> teeth. Um, But you, you like, I, I think about, it, I'm like, oh, well, I can't listen to this conversation again. Whereas I can listen to the conversation we're having right now. Right. And I can hear it back and go, oh, that's interesting. How the oh, is how was like we... the
1: tape recorder thing you were talking about last uh, two weeks ago.
0: To a degree, okay. but I was just thinking, like the way that we have a regular conversation. I was like, do we talk the same as we do when we're recording the show? You know, because you do tend to when we're having these conversations on the show have like longer monologue type informational speech. You know what I mean? Like where you're, and I'm not trying to say that it's bad. No, no, that's
1: evidence of my anxiety. Like I don't feel anxious necessarily, but as I've listened to each one of these um, podcasts,
0: hey, this is episode ten, right? That's that's a celebration right there. we made it to ten. Hey, and we've known each other for ten years. How funny is that? It's episode ten, and we we just passed uh, our ten year friendiversary.
1: Oh no, not friend. We were friends on an earlier date, it's 10 years of dating. We were actually in a relationship starting the 16th of September, 10 years Was ago. Was it?
0: Yep. I thought that's when we met. No. Pretty sure. Nope. I'm pretty sure that's the anniversary of the first date. Now I don't know. And then we met a week, b- uh, like less than a week before that online. We started chatting. You and know then what? We met you have all this like recorded on in a
1: video somewhere. You took all the screenshots. Right? Yeah, I know.
0: I, I just looked at it Well, the other maybe
1: day. you're right. Maybe I'm wrong.
0: Yeah. Because we weren't really, we didn't but, really have a... F-
1: but now we're off topic and I forgot what we were doing. Oh,
0: well, we were going to get to the Facebook thing. but um, I We
1: were talking about how... We were talking I about how we monologues. get off topic. Right, because <laughs> I get emotionally, when I get emotionally passionate about something, as it happened to me in Elijah's episode two weeks ago, because when I get emotional about something, I use words to process my emotions.
0: Right, lots of them.
1: I have big emotions. <laughs> Sometimes I have big words, and right. you know, it
0: sesquipedalian can... user, <laughs> big big word user.
1: Yes, that's the truth of it. I use words to process my emotions when I'm feeling anxious, honestly, or I, or I'm you know trying to make sense of the way I feel if I have conflicting feelings because I often you must be
0: anxious a lot then.
1: Well, I wouldn't wouldn't classify my my anxiety the way I think your anxiety is. It's just for me being an empath, it means that I feel kind of every emotion in the room, which means I'm often aware of highly conflicting emotions. And so the way I process my own emotions is trying to sort them out as well. And I often have conflicting emotions myself. So it's easier for me to make sense of it when it's someone else's conflicting emotions. When it's mine, then I have to make a choice. I'm like, mm, am I gonna satisfy like my emotions, or am I gonna make the decision that makes the pain of my emotions go away? Like, it's it's a it's a difficult. I struggle in that area because it's like, okay, what emotion am I feeling the most? <laughs> because I feel so many emotions at once.
0: Right. Okay. <clears throat> so yeah, that, I, that's I a really a good example of when you do a lot of talking, and I don't know how to respond.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just thought you <laughs> would need a current episode example. So there no, you go. No, it's perfect.
0: That's, that was, no one could have done it better than, <laughs> than you. I, I'll well, tell thank you that you. much. All right. So let's jump into this Facebook thing. So yes, I on.
1: thought it was really well done.
0: Um, so employees come up to me on a daily basis at work. And they do. They talk to me about their different things that they're working on, mm-hmm. uh, which makes sense because I'm the manager and should know what they're talking about. But I don't. There, I said it. I have no idea what anyone is talking about. That customer we just talked about, I already forgot. Oh, did I bring it up in the first place? Well, I don't remember why. Memory loss is not great for the old depression cycle either, so that'll start... Are you taking pictures of me? (laughs) So that'll start to kick in harder. Now I'm really nervous because I feel like you're watching me and now I'm being watched. No, I'm not at all. What do I do? Uh, So what do I do? Conversations can go on something like this. So Bill's almost done. Bill? Yeah, Bill, the guy with the 20 tapes. Me, still no clue who Bill is. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. So he's almost done, and he's going to be ending up with more DVDs than we original thought, so his price is going to go up. Understood. Then they look at me, and I look at them. Then they look at me, and I look at them. So, So? what do we do? That sounds like a question for me. That would be how those conversations go. So that's how um, that happens to me all the time at work. They walk up to me they start talking to me about something. I have no idea what they're talking about and I literally just talked to them about it 5 minutes before. So then they, you know, so I have to be basically on what I call my like best behavior or, you know, I'm like, "Okay, don't get caught. Get through this conversation and have it be over." But one thing I talked to my therapist about, she's she actually said that it would be helpful for me if I tell people to start by saying what they're doing instead of just talking being like hey i need to update you about this person like using the word update lets me know i already know about it okay so she was saying that because she started talking about okay so how many employees do you have and i was saying how many employees i have like five or something and how many people are they working on and i was like you know it could be three could be ten different things you know maybe at once She's like, so think of it this way. That's 50 different things that you would have to think about because anyone can come up to you and talk to you about any of those 50 things because each person's working on 10 things, 10 times 5, 50. I can't right. tell if you're paying attention or if you're... <clears throat> am I losing you? Nope,
1: not a bit. Okay. I, I think know. what's challenging about that is, um, although I understand her point and I think she's correct, I also am not sure that you can ask an employee to filter their conversation in a way that forces them to acknowledge that they're one of 50 things you have to think about every employee. But that's not
0: the, that's not the way that you would express it to the,
1: how would you do it then? So if I'm your annoying employee,
0: Blake, Blake. it just helps me to remember, just say that I have a bad memory. So it helps me to remember when you, when you tell me what you're doing just to, you know, key, cue up the conversation by saying, Hey, I need to remind you about uh, this person, or I'm, I'm here to update you about this person, or whatever. Because when someone starts talking, uh, the whole time I'm trying to figure out like what's the end goal of this conversation. Like at the end of this conversation, were they just in you know did they, were they talking to me for five minutes just to let me know? Because it would be nice to know they're just letting me know so that I don't have to sit there trying to solve problems in my head, mm. not paying attention to what they're saying because I'm like. Grasping on, you know what I'm saying? Like they're saying something. I'm grasping onto something that they say, and then they're saying something else, and I'm still thinking about the first thing they said, as opposed to no need for you to know. You don't remember everything I'm gonna say. Like obviously, that's not what they would say. But I mean, it sounds
1: like a tactic that you'd
0: use in marriage counseling, honestly. Because I think any kind of interaction with a person would be helpful.
1: Sure. So you're saying we should all kind of learn to pre-qualify our conversations by saying, "Hey, quick update." Um, I'm not saying because like it's one of those things. Like that's a common male-female challenge too, because women like to, and I'll just I'll just speak about myself. Like, no, no
0: comment. No and, comment. And the
1: women I know of, we sometimes like to share our stories, but we don't want you to solve our problems. So it can be a lot like, you know, hey, I and I do work
0: with a lot of women.
1: Oh well, see, there's there's a common communication theme. Um especially neurotypical women, if you're working with them. We love to share our stories, but we don't want you to solve our problems. And so it's basically like, hey, I want you to sit down for five minutes and just listen to my whole story.
0: Yeah. That.
1: But you're the boss, so you have this sort of implied responsibility to know everything that's going on. And in this particular job, unlike the one you were in for 10 years, you don't run the stations. Like You couldn't step in and do the, the... job for the technicians because everything's run just a little bit differently. So you're almost a little bit more dependent on hearing these updates in order to stay closer to the details. Whereas right. in the previous, you had such hands-on... Because they
0: started at the bottom.
1: Right. So you could jump in and you could actually find now the Now I'm gaps. right at the top. Right. And the, the mistakes and the lies or I don't want to, you know, you could find the gaps in your technician's work where now you're kind of Relying on them to tell you the details.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so
1: what I'm saying is it's a valid point because this level of communication, the exchange of information between you and your employee is even more critical now because you don't have the opportunity to just walk in behind them and figure out what they're doing wrong.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely true.
1: So that's an interest. So how would you, if I was your employee, how would you pitch it to me? So that I changed my communication style to what you needed.
0: I thought I just said it. She actually said that I should do it in a meeting, like just tell everybody, like, hey, you know, when you come up to talk to me, I got a lot of things I'm thinking about. I sometimes need a little help remembering what we're, what we're, you know, if we're talking about something we just talked about, it, you know, it may not help. It may not be something that I can just jump right back into. So it's it's easy for me if you say, hey, I need to update you about this thing, yeah. or. Whatever, it doesn't have to, I'm just going back to update because that tends to be what it is.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's definitely a little bit more socially acceptable than like, I'm going to record everything you say with my tape recorder. (laughs) Because I think um, we were having a sideline conversation with with one of our friends about this is that, you know, she said, but then if I record everything, then I have to go back and listen to it. And then how often does that happen? And she's absolutely right. Like you'd spend half of your day recording and the other half of your day just listening to recordings. That doesn't seem very practical either.
0: Well, it depends. Sometimes I record stuff because I'm on a roll. But is I mean it, at work. If I'm being funny.
1: Well yeah, those I hope you record.
0: I try. But it's not always easy. Mm-mm. Um
1: But at work you wouldn't do like that Yeah, no. The, yeah. Her point is valid. I mean that's eight hours of nine. Well hours and I can
0: say that so at one point I did have this little watch thing that broke. Mm-hmm. But it was uh you tapped it and it would record. And it would record for hours. So if I was saying something I would tap it and start recording. The only thing is that I felt kind of weird because like no one knows that you're recording. Right. So you don't want to, you know, I don't know. Like I remember when, um, uh, we started telling, we, we started recording phone calls and people started acting really weird on the phones.
1: Well, cause like you said earlier, they knew they were being recorded. Yeah. I mean, I think that's true for everyone because there's this expectation of perfection. And then you're so worried about someone's opinion of your performance that you stop being in the moment. Conversations are so much about being in the moment. Yeah.
0: And right. The like same, right now.
1: Like r- <laughs>
0: Okay, well I Mike, mean, where where are we? What are we doing?
1: I, I it's an interesting idea. I mean, I think the next thing I would question is whether you said it in a meeting, obviously the logistics of telling everyone at the same time. But you know, my experience with meetings is when someone rolls out a new rule or a new policy in a group, there's sort of this collective resistance. To be like, oh, I don't want to do it. I I mean, we're experiencing it right now in the world. No one wants to be told what to do. So I actually... You're disa- talking about COVID? I,
0: the masks and all and that stuff?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's yes, it, it applies to multiple conversations. But I actually think I would disagree with your therapist on this one just a tiny bit. And I think that your appeal would be more uh, effective if you made it on an individual basis. Because then it feels more like you're building an individual relationship with each of your employees saying, hey, I have know- no
0: interest in that. <laughs> <laughs> I have no interest in individual relationships. I want to knock this bitch out real quick and just be like, doop, be done.
1: I hear you, but I think that it would be more receptive on an individual basis than because then if someone if one person in the group doesn't want to do it. That emotion can ripple through the group and then people who have no objection will start to feel like they don't want to do it.
0: I was just going to fit it into a normal meeting and not necessarily have the meeting just be that. Be like, hey, we're doing great. This is what we're doing. Here's the, you know, new stuff. And then, oh, by the way, you got to talk to your boss like he's special because he is.
1: (laughs) I mean, I can see that.
0: What are you doing? You see, you're distracting me because you're distracted on your phone.
1: I'm multitasking.
0: Okay. I can't do that. Oh. I... Uh, what are we talking about now?
1: <laughs> so we were talking about your therapist's oh, advice well, to your uh, multitasking, masking like a boss, which I think yeah. is really interesting. Um, if it didn't work, what would you do?
0: Just do what I've been doing, living my life and one day at a time. It. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's one of those things I think you just say it just to get it out there. And then if people don't respond, so then at least that way when you don't have to fake it. And like I told you, I'm not going to remember. I don't remember. Because the 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 thing that, you know, I, I give that example of like, oh, a guy with 20 tapes. Because she was like, oh, 15 minute guy. I was like, 15 minutes? Because in the beginning of the conversation, she's like, oh, he needs us to call him back in 15 minutes. Oh. And so she's like, oh, 15 minute guy. And I was like, 15 minute guy? She goes, you know, the guy with the tapes? And I was like, the guy with the tapes? I had no idea what she was talking about. Yeah, no, that's kind of no distracting. Clue. And then finally she like, she says his name. I'm like, don't remember his name. And then it was like something that finally like, uh, she said, and I was like, oh, Yeah. But I still had no idea what she was talking about. I just wanted to move on with my life. Wow. So is it, does any? It I mean, that's I've, I've talked about this a bunch, but memory is something that really oh man, it's like I have such a hard time. It, it, like it it it, it feels uh, very. I mean, I I it, it like really really like makes my depression kick in and i feel anxious because it's like i don't i'm like why why can't i remember well it's something it's like is it not in, you know in, you know when i was a younger people would say oh it's because it wasn't important i was like no it's not true because there's things that are important that i forget
1: that's an executive function thing i mean part of that is that exec <laughs> this is why people say that adhd is a disorder of executive function because it's the brain manager part of being able to retain information and then sort it and keep it in your working memory for purposes of being able to organize it kind of on the fly. Um, what they don't tell you, which I think is really wrong, is that one of the reasons why you do have what they call poor working memory and poor short-term and therefore you know poor mental organization is because your amygdala the neurochemistry of the way an ADHD brain is currently wired is that your amygdala is in charge of deciding what you're going to focus on and therefore what you're going to remember. So when someone says, oh, it just wasn't important, that implies you made a choice about the quality of the information, decided it was or was not important, which is complete bullshit. There's my cuss for the word, uh, the week. But because I think that's...
0: Cuss for the word? (laughs)
1: Cuss for the week. I think it's wrong. Neurologically, your amygdala is making decisions for you based on... Whether or not that information is needed for your survival. Do you see the difference? One it requires your discernment to decide if that information is important, and the other is a neurochemistry brain decision based on survival or not survival. So that's unfair to say you just made a decision. You didn't even have the chance to make the decision, your amygdala made it for you.
0: You're losing me. Sorry, I'm just sometimes I have a hard time following.
1: So, one of the things, so when You're I You're stu- so beautiful.
0: <laughs> I can't stop staring at your okay. eyes. Okay.
1: That's not true. One of the things that I study a lot is the neurochemistry of neurobiodiversity, and when you talk about ADHD and specifically, you know, I, I'm really curious about what contributes to poor short-term memory and challenging executive function skills and why is your working memory so limited? Like Neurologically, that means that your brain had to have made a different decision for you than it did for a neurotypical, which is to keep all that stuff in your mind and allow you to organize it. So I look at those two crossways as like a fork in the road. And what in your brain made the decision to go left versus right?
0: Are you actually asking me a question?
1: No, I'm, I'm getting confused. Well, it's because the baby's crying. And it's oh,
0: okay. Should we pause? Pause. Sorry about that, folks. This is real life, and we are uh, recording with a nearly three-year-old who's on the floor crying. (laughs) So we'll see how far we can get. (laughs) Um, Right. So you said, what was was the last thing you were talking about? was, uh, uh uh-oh. Come here, Bug. Come here. You want to come be a part of the show? Well,
1: so what I was saying is that because your system kind of lives in fight or flight... What that does is instead of your prefrontal cortex. Where did
0: you read this? Is not what you said to say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not at that moment. Let me explain it. But uh, yes,
0: you keep talking about like my my amygdala, my prefrontal cortex. I do because not
1: If you're in rest, if your autonomic nervous system is in the rest and digest phase, remember, the autonomic nervous system is a light uh, switch. It's I'm either on or off.
0: Him crying. I him know,
1: but him. let me. Okay, sorry. So. If your autonomic nervous system is in rest and digest... What's you, an
0: autonomic nervous system?
1: It's part of your central nervous system. And what's that? <laughs> it's your brain, your nerves. Okay. So, your autonomic nervous system is automatic. And it has... It, it's a light switch. There's two options. It's either an on or off. It's either in rest and digest or it's in fight or flight. And okay? or Kate fornicate. Yes. <laughs> and so... When your autonomic nervous system is flipped into fight-or-flight, which I would argue most neurodiverse biological signatures live in fight-or-flight, what that does is it empowers your amygdala, which is a um, part of the brain that assesses threat. Okay. It puts your amygdala in charge of deciding whether the information you're hearing is crucial for your survival or not. If you were, I can in tell
0: you right now, it doesn't feel like this is crucial. <laughs> so, but it, no, it's good information. So you're
1: probably not going to remember it. But which is fair. But if you were in the rest and digest, and your prefrontal cortex were in charge, you'd remember more because you're no longer your amygdala is no longer in charge, and your prefrontal cortex loves to absorb information, so it makes it easier. <sighs> To remember and sort and organize mental information. So you
0: have to remember, I actually have a underdeveloped prefrontal cortex.
1: But this is exactly. Thank you. You're proving my point. It's underdeveloped because your amygdala has hijacked the majority of your life. You're in a fight or flight. What a dick. Exactly. No, Thanks it's a true. Lot, Amygdala. Which is why I call it neurobiodiversity because the miggy for <laughs> short <laughs> miggy. I like that. The more you can support the biological signatures of autism and ADHD and anxiety and depression, the more you can help your autonomic nervous system flip out of fight or flight run by the amygdala and, and into rest and digest where your immune system turns on.
0: I feel like I'm taking a master class right now.
1: Thank you. Your digestive system turns on. You start integrating when you sleep. You actually can get into deep sleep with REM. You can in um, you can start.
0: I'm not a big REM fan.
1: <laughs> Me neither. You can start remembering more details. You actually develop more of your working memory, of your short-term memory. Like it's a it's a flip. It's a light switch flip. Yeah. Now this is why, and I take criticism with the way this is being handled a lot right now, but. This is why so many people, MDs included, are trying to sell mindfulness to ADHD um, people as like the best way to combat ADHD. Now, the concept is correct. What I take issue with is that they're teaching mindfulness using neurotypical strategies, which is like, what the hell? So very rarely, if, if ever, I haven't found a single one who teaches mindfulness as an ADHD brain needs to hear it, which is that bottom-up data point, logic-based application. They're like, and you'll recognize this because you've tried it. They tell you, meditate, just clear your mind and breathe. Does that ever work for you? No. No, because <laughs> that's how you teach a neurotypical. Because they have different brain chemistry and different neurochemistry to just be able to... And even neurotypicals, I know, struggle to do it. But they're teaching mindfulness in a way that doesn't align with the way your brain is, is chemically wired. So <laughs> um, this is why you struggle sometimes to remember information. I'm
0: really struggling right now.
1: <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks. Outside of your shared your shared interest. If okay. it's shared interest because that overrides your amygdala.
0: Right. Well right now my amygdala is not satisfied. Really? Yeah.
1: What what does your amygdala need for survival right now?
0: I don't know. Entertainment. Entertain See? me, Rochelle.
1: No. Well yeah. I'm I'm not your girl for that.
0: Dance monkey.
1: <laughs> but but that you're proving my point actually that's excellent okay because your amygdala is going okay now I need something else to assess so give me something that I'm comfortable with you know so it's I can I
0: it doesn't like to be talked about because I don't understand it
1: <laughs> so there's a really great book oh boy, <laughs> that I've been reading that I think you'd enjoy
0: The Amygdala and You
1: It's actually it does diagram the amygdala in a very easy to understand way it's called Whole Brain Living by Jill Bolte Taylor and this author, um, she's a Ph.D., and she actually had a stroke about eight years ago. and Of genius. Well, she did, actually. Stroke of genius. She wrote that book, actually. I think that might be the title of her first book.
0: Stroke of genius?
1: Uh, my memory thinks that's really close. Yeah, I'll have to look that up. But her, as she... You
0: know what you call a masturbating cow? Oh, goodness. Beef stroking off. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs>
1: That's hilarious. I don't know what I said to trigger that. Because you said stroke. Oh, stroke! Yeah, I get that. Anyways, whole brain. I'll put a link uh, to the book on Amazon. It's just it just came out this year, and she, she's also on Audible, um, if you prefer to listen to your books. But it's a phenomenal firsthand um, experience of really understanding the role of the amygdala, and and there's actually two amygdala in the brain, and how it it. Re- how you can utilize your own, um, neuroanatomy to your benefit and enrich your life. So I'll talk more about it later, but in a later episode, I'm just but
0: really proud that I remembered that joke and it came out as well as it did. I'm
1: impressed. I'm impressed.
0: Beef enough. It's a, my mom told me that joke probably when I was way too young to to hear she it.
1: has all the corny jokes, so that I makes know. sense. That's,
0: not, that's corny, but it's... It's, it's, it's it, cute. Yeah, it's, it's appropriate. Yeah, it's, it's like the kind of joke you can tell your grandmother.
1: Mm. <laughs> Maybe
0: your grandmother. Maybe not. Not, not mine. Yeah, okay, well, well, we can tell them now. They're all dead.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's true. They heard. It. They just heard you.
0: Um. So, I don't know if you wanted to touch on this, but we did talk about it the other day Uh, in in person. And it's so weird, because like when you start recording something, and then you're like, did we talk about this... In real life, or do we talk about it, which, not to say this isn't real life. Oh,
1: I mean, I had an entire conversation standing in front of the coffee creamer at Publix the other day with my sister, who was down the other aisle. I had this entire conversation with her in her, in my head. She even answered me in my head, and then I turned the corner, and I looked at her face, and I thought, oh, I just had a whole conversation with you, and now I don't remember what it was about or what you said, but I know I came to a conclusion, and she's like, uh, okay, happy to help. <laughs> and ter- so I get what you're saying.
0: Um. Hey, bud. Sorry, we're gonna have to. No, keep. Should we keep going? All right. Um. So we were talking because I. So okay. Breathe, Blake. Uh, I don't believe we talked about um love on the spectrum on the show yet.
1: We have not. Have you? Have you watched? I did start start watching it.
0: Okay. I just wanted to talk about it for a minute because season two is coming out.
1: I got some catching up to do. Um, I don't have a lot of TV nights. I shut the TV off. Um. When he's over here with me, so he, there's one, you know, I understand using TV as a self-regulation tool, but when it crosses the line into like addictive, then I think that's something that becomes alarming. And after surviving COVID and having way too much TV, I just had to shut it off because it was becoming an unhealthy addiction. And so I only have like maybe two nights a week I can even devote to it, but I did get the first episode watched.
0: Okay. What'd you think?
1: So one of the things that stood out right away. Should
0: I say, so not that we're not like, we have no affiliation with the show or anything like that, obviously. No, we just, but like it just uh you know, know research it's, in all forms. Yeah, the, but the, uh, the idea is, um, you know, there's, it's on Netflix mm-hmm. and. Love on the Spectrum. It's called Love on the Spectrum. So it's, and it's just about people on the autis- autism spectrum. I think, I'm trying to think of where they are. I can't remember. I feel, I feel like they're from like Australia or New Zealand or something but they, they might remember. just but they're, I mean they're they're, I mean, or they're British I don't know like their accents are hard to for me it's hard for me to tell like where they're at usually I'm pretty good at that kind of stuff
1: I mean if it's hard for you it's impossible for me I'd have to they're not the American <laughs> but <laughs> what's, what the one of the first things that the, they make a good point of creating as kind of the foundation for dating um on the spectrum is that they're really capitalizing on the same things that we've talked about is, you know, the importance of shared interest and, and finding someone who has something in common. Right. Because, and they've, they've demonstrated, you know, they have successful couples, they have dating couples, they have couples that are like, oh, we don't have enough in common, and they split. And that's pretty typical in any relationship, but it's really more foundational um, in autism connections, you know, so I, I liked how they made that a very positive aspect of the dating life.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's interesting watching it and this is weird kind of, but it's real because we're not together. Right. And so, um, I'm autistic and have been trying to meet people in general and not going well. And so watching that show it's just kind of like, oh good, it's not just me. <laughs> yeah. And those people the that are on the show like they they range, you can just kind of tell like some people just seem more autistic, like have more autistic tendencies. Sure. They're a little bit more socially awkward. So, um, I think one of the things that stood out than to I me am, is cuz yeah. I'm I'm but I but I feel it like when I start having conversations with people, I feel so like I just don't like, I can really be myself. It takes so much time sure. to build a rapport with someone to where I can be comfortable
1: and relaxed
0: and just be myself, sure. Um, instead of feeling like I got to put on a show, yeah, and, and that's, then like, I can be myself. See, that's
1: that negative neurotypical influence I was talking about earlier is that that putting on a show thing is so. It's so much of an antiquated social etiquette dance that is designed to make everyone socially look the same and therefore downplay your individuality. And so I actually think that if you ever feel like you have to put on a show in front of someone, that's a red flag to get the hell out. That's my personal opinion because...
0: But I feel like I got to do that for everybody.
1: I, and that's where I hope the world changes because one of the things... But isn't that more about me? I think it's socially acceptance, also. Like one of the things I appreciate about where so much of the social tendencies in the communities are changing is about people being celebrated for who they are, exactly who they are. Oh, you're gonna take my notes? Oh, I'm screwed. Okay, go ahead. You can have the pen and paper. I'm, okay, that goes our show notes.
0: <laughs> Uh-oh. Thanks, Declan.
1: Um, that's okay. So I, I really hope we get to a point where we don't have to do that dance anymore because honestly that dance half the time isn't true. It's not truly who you are. So why do you have to do it?
0: So I went out with a, <laughs> it wasn't about to sound really gay. I went out with a dude last night. <laughs> right. This I met your, up a, with this a is your friend. I met up with a friend last yeah. night and it's just, and it was cool. Like we hung out and everything, but like, I'm just, I'm, I'm I, like, you're trying to read like to see if it's, you know, it's weird. Like, you're almost dating to make friends but you're cuz you're not like sexually interested in someone no but
1: but it's the same dance
0: but it's the same like crap you got to go yeah, through exactly the same but then and there's no chance of getting laid at the end <laughs> well, at least is? at I mean, least yeah at least you <laughs> hope
1: it's to find the parameters i mean i was thinking about this yesterday actually because um i've i've found myself going through that exact same process just with integrating into a new work situation like a new a new company over the last 6 months and the social dance you have to go through to decide if you fit in with this person or if you fit in with that person, or like where are you going to fit socially? I've, d-
0: I've decided that in in the workplace that I have no place.
1: But you're the boss. I know, it's weird. So but you, see, you know what's weird is that, like,
0: Richard, my friend Richard, uh-huh. he was my boss and he, he had no problem swooping in there and trying okay, to sweep me off you my feet.
1: Two- have this amazing connection you've had it from the beginning you're
0: then, making okay let's not gay this place up
1: uh, it's not gay i'm just saying nothing you guys, wrong with you being guys gay became friends very quickly because you had a shared interest in humor and you're both very funny and well
0: let's slow down i'm very funny <laughs> did, richard's pretty funny
1: he did steal your uh, breast milk joke. he did steal the, my breast the milk the joke so that's how i know the the i'm the funny line of mcdonald's yeah that's right um not to be forgotten richard we know
0: no one has any idea what we're talking about so <laughs> it's okay it's an inside joke
1: but no, I mean, you guys just instantly hit it off as friends and it didn't matter that he was your boss and that you eventually became the boss and he can, you know, like that dynamic didn't matter because you're, you guys just clicked and that doesn't always happen.
0: No. But so, that's, I think that's the problem is that like when I think about my friends that I'm, you know, people like Richard or, you know, my friend Michelle or Joey or, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, oh my God, do I have to name everybody just in case I forget? Like No. no. I'm all just, of your friends. Just name every single, but all my friends. But like, it feels like there's... Um, there's a connection there that it's like how do you mine uh, the territory of like someone else's psyche, right? To get into a place where you can be comfortable and like hang out. But that's that's why, the that's the part of it that I enjoy. So it's like that's why I have like five friends, right? Because I've gotten there with those people. Somehow they miraculously made it. You're very I, special. I think
1: it it comes down to how well you innately understand each other. Like Rustin's always been a really good friend and she had this ability to watch you and just call a spade a spade right off the bat. Like she could Rustin read. has superpowers. She, do, <laughs> she does. <laughs> I don't know and, how she does it. And she had this ability to just, you know, call it like it was very quickly and be accurate most of the time. Um, actually, I don't know any time Rustin wasn't accurate. So that kind of, when you have that kind of rapport with someone it's like i don't you know you couldn't fake your way around rustin if you tried so that's just an instant friendship because you just get to be yourself well
0: but that's the thing i'm not being fake necessarily nobody I wouldn't say is, that's being fake.
1: that's what i mean about that neurotypical dance See, we've all been taught that you have to pretend to be this perfect person you know that that has all these types of ideas and you behave a certain way and we all universally feel certain things about different themes like it's conceptually based and it's outdated. It's from 100, 200, 300 years ago.
0: But I'll tell you what, there's, there's a guy that came into my office hey. the other day. And he's, there's something about like what I do. Like Sometimes people just get really personal.
1: Well, you're literally digitizing their memories. I imagine they right. are feeling really vulnerable and personal when they walked in the door. And the
0: guy comes in and he's like, um, uh, here's the story. Uh, and I'm sure you hear this kind of stuff all the time. And as he was talking, I was like, I really don't hear this all the time. <laughs> He's like, uh, my dad died when I was uh, six months old. Oh, man. And my mom died when I was 10. Holy cow. And he goes, and so this film is very precious to me. Cat, get out of here, man. I'm telling you, she needs to go to your house. Um, what was I saying? About, oh, and well. so yeah, yeah. So he, uh, so he's like, this film's very precious to me, and I'm like, yeah, I hear that all the time because everything that people are bringing in, it's their only copy. So it's everything we have is everyone's most precious thing. And like, right. yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, and and he goes, but uh, this is special because it has my dad on it, and I've never seen him move before. Wow. And uh, it made me think of when my just a, as a off the, the when I recorded like uh, my dad's films mm-hmm. and basically. It, it, it had been a long time since I'd seen him move. I mean, so it's not like I'd never seen him move before. Right. But it was just like I, I didn't, I don't really, ha- I don't have like this locked in, my God, cat memory of, of my dad sure. um, to where like I can picture what he looks like without looking at a photograph or something like that. Right. Um, so now, but for some reason, like when I think of him, I think of the film of him. Okay. Because I can remember it more than I can like h- well, him it's mul- it's multi-sensory, himself. Well, it's
1: multi sensory, right? So you're getting to see him walk and talk and move and behave, and so there's a whole bunch more information in someone's gait and in the way they hold their body posture and right. the tone of their voice, and like you get a lot more information by watching that than looking at like a still photo. So, well,
0: my whole p- my whole point was that this guy comes in and just starts p- p- telling his life story, and I'm like, well, he's not masking anything. Like something going on there because. He started like the next time he came in to pick up and he's like, do you remember me? And I was like, I remembered, I remembered his, I'm pretty good at remembering faces. Mm -hmm. But as far as his name, I'm like, you're going to have to remind me. And then he started quoting some weird song lyric, like some, it was, it was, he was just a very bizarre guy. And so I was just like, how, like, how does this guy come in here and just spill and just say stuff? Like everyone there is like, okay, we're done.
1: She does that to
0: me during occupational therapy. Um, Because I'm getting way distracted and I'm not getting anywhere with my conversation. So anyway, so he starts showing me pictures of like an ex-girlfriend who used to be very beautiful. And it was just like personal stuff Mm -hmm. that someone, and and here I am with this, this dude last night. You know, it's the second time we've ever hung out. And it's still like we're, we're, we get along and it, like, it was cool to hang out, but I still am like, I'm like, am I, am I really being myself? I'm like, I don't feel as funny as I normally am. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what's going on there. And I'm just like, maybe I'm, just, I need to be more like that weird guy or maybe, whoa. Or maybe, maybe not. I don't know. What do, what do you think? Did I make any sense?
1: You made total <laughs> sense. I was, no, I followed all of that. So the first thing I would say is that, It sounds like he's very close to all that your customer, very close to all of his emotions.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: And processes emotions by talking about them, which is what I was mentioning at the beginning of the show about myself, Um, especially something as sensitive as his parents. But um, I think that's okay to be emotional and to be vulnerable and to be social about it. That's one of the stigmas that we have in the world is that you can't be outwardly emotional or you're out of control. And I think that's absolutely crap. Um, part of the reason why I think it's so common for, um, for you to hide your emotions too is because we haven't made it so socially acceptable. And then there's people like me who, who like, I'm, we just emote all over the place. So there's a balance.
0: Yep. You're walking in. You're like, oh, I'm sorry, I emoted. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me.
1: Those are my emotions. I'll just pick those up. <laughs> no worries. Um, so I, there's, as with everything that evolves, you're always going to see both sides i hate to call it the spectrum but it is that it's kind of both sides of the gradient right um and that's okay i think that what he's doing is perfectly correct considering what he's in your business to do which is to really preserve a memory so it makes sense to me that he's all up in his feels because he's handing over something to you that he's just as eager to get back from you like there's a whole experience you're creating for him now you also But people
0: have done that like outside of work too. Sometimes people just are those people th- where they are ready to just divulge personal information that you would never like you would you know and, like in a first date it, like you want to get past the small talk. Right. But you can't really do that. Like you have to
1: But they were doing that on on love on the spectrum. That's one of the things that made the dating efforts more applicable is that they want to get straight past all the prep stuff and right into the meat of who they are because then that's how they find out if they're compatible and have shared interest or not. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, if we take a kind of 360 view of what you're saying here, one of the things that I'm watching happen all over our society is that We've spent decades and decades, and probably multiple generations, not acknowledging our feelings, shoving them down, and just pushing through the ego of life.
0: Why is that? You think?
1: Well, because that's how we stay in fight or flight. If we stay in fight or flight, then we are always chasing. No, but the I mean, jobs. why do
0: you think people reject other people's feelings? Like here, I am talking. Because they reject their own crap about this dude. No, they who's re- Dropping his, but I, I don't, you know, when when people say like my dad died, when you know whatever I try not to you know I have feelings about my own family and stuff like that right. so I try not to go well my dad died when I was young too you know what I mean like well, and it's hard to
1: then you're walking the fine line of like are you relating or are you trying to one-up but the reason why you even have to have that question is because we don't spend enough time anywhere talking about how to successfully acknowledge and nurture our feelings because as soon as we do that like our feelings don't need that much attention they need to be acknowledged when they come up we need to nurture them just like you would a crying baby you sit there and rock the crying baby and then the tears stop and then the emotions go away i need you to massage my amygdala that's (laughs) (laughs) get over here (laughs) i'm just but that's where we are right now as a society we are learning how to acknowledge our feelings Rock the baby and then let our emotions go because they don't have to be this percolating, you know, hyper trigger that then results in people getting angry. I mean, that's what happens when you don't nurture, you know, your feelings from the get go. And so you we are watching this shift in a lot of places. And what you're describing sounds like a really healthy exercise and just acknowledging what you're feeling and being able to talk about it and not worry about it being a thing in previous, you know, cultures and and whatever, you weren't allowed to have feelings. You had to, you had to seem perfect, you know, like your corset had to be super tight and everyone had to have money and you had to have this, you know, a perfect appearance of life. And then, oh, we don't talk about money, dear. We don't talk about problems, dear. You know, that's how gossip started is because they would never allow anyone to be honest about life and how we felt. And we're basically at this point, 2021 saying, screw that. That's not that's not going to work going forward because we're all shutting off one of the most vital pieces of our being, which is our ability to express and feel our own feelings. So I think this guy is um, exactly where he should be. And the more comfortable you get with your own feelings, the more comfortable you are to get back into your prefrontal cortex, which is where all your, your humor lives. I mean, you have this ability when your guard is not up, when your guard is down, your amygdala is asleep. And not being triggered. You can walk into a room and you'll just listen to these pretty uh, insignificant conversations about how, I mean, your mom could come in with some story about some guy at work and, and you read the situation and, and come up with the funniest thing to say about it. You know, right off the the right off the what am I saying? Right, right off the, the bat. F- Thank you. And, it, and it's literally the funniest thing I've ever heard. So that happens when you're relaxed and you're in the creative side of your brain and you're not in a fight or flight situation. I
0: need a drug for that. Get me in that brain more often. I would be very happy.
1: Oh, the whole world does. That's what everyone is searching for right now is how to downregulate out of fight or flight and how to move into the rest and digest creative part of your brain. That is literally the goal of everything we're doing right now. You're right in line. So the funnier you can continue to be, the more you'll teach people how to do that same thing because f- humor downregulates the amygdala. It's brilliant. Hmm. You're actually a walking genius.
0: It's true. I'm a sitting genius right now.
1: <laughs> see, that's what I mean. You just demonstrated exactly my point. That was kind
0: of funny. It wasn't the funniest thing I, I've ever heard.
1: Well, that was funny. I didn't see it coming.
0: Okay. Get open your eyes. <laughs>
1: My brain doesn't think that like your synapses can fire super fast and it's always,
0: I am quite witty when I want to be.
1: You are when you're in your creative center of your brain. It's brilliant. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Are we, um, wrapping up?
1: Well, we're doing pretty well, but,
0: um, we're about,
1: so I've been really pleased to, uh, hear your examples, especially at work, because I think one of the things as we wrap up, I would love for you to be able to give some um, advice and some insight to our listeners about how to be successful at work because it is one of the things that can be the most difficult to transition because you're dealing with such a wide variety of personalities, neurotypical, neurobiodiverse, all mixed, all in different grades of the spectrum. How do you, like what's one of your strategies when you get yourself ready on a work day to like prepare yourself for the amount of of unpredictability, unpredictability,
0: unpredictability
1: yes that you're gonna face
0: I don't think about it (laughs) that's (laughs) how I that's how I prepare
1: I mean that's valuable actually I know I
0: mean I get up in the morning I have my routine okay you know and uh it's just been that over over time my routine has been to have you know unexpected things happen at work sometimes okay you know i i know that there are going to be pissed off customers i know that they're going to be people that are going to have issues and i've just made enough mistakes to learn from those mistakes you know to be able to go okay well now i know what to do okay so, so sometimes you-, you have to that's one thing that i have a really hard time with it's one of the reasons that i haven't done stand-up yet is that um I'm so afraid of failing at it, but everyone says like you, in, you know, it's like anything if you, like when I picked up the ukulele for the first time, I was so frustrated that I couldn't just play it. Okay, go ahead. So I had to practice over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again right. to finally get okay at it. Right. That's fair. You know? And so with comedy, it's like the same thing. And so like, it's the same thing with work too. I think that, you know, you, you are going to be dealt a certain set of cards and sometimes you're not going to play them right. And mm-hmm. so you have to just be okay with that. Yeah, I think I sometimes you have to be okay time. with failing. Sure, that's true. And unfortunately, for some people, that means that they fail real hard and lose their job. So right. I'm hope that's not the kind of. I'm not trying to say like go big or go home. Right, you want to take but,
1: calculated steps. But so what I'm hearing you say is that you don't. So there, because there's some value in in brain rehearsing, like when you pre-rehearse how you're going to handle a situation. But but I could see that that also might fire up your amygdala before it's necessary so your strategy is actually like not give your amygdala any room that's right
0: going fresh
1: <laughs> just kind of keep it asleep just and only that way let you, it roll. when you really do perceive a, a threat then it will kind of you know come to the the rescue but you're just not going your strategy is to keep your amygdala asleep and not always on the ready that's smart it's really smart okay with anxiety, I, wasn't I, sure. I would imagine that to be difficult. How do you manage your anxiety in that? Do you want to
0: say hi? Well, in the moment, in the moment, I feel anxious. Uh-huh. Sorry. Uh, boy. Um, <laughs> this is a PG show, son. Um,
1: no, you were saying so your anxiety. In the, in the moment, you feel anxious. Yeah,
0: so I feel I'll feel anxious, and then I just deal with it. There's okay. something about like sometimes when you're in fight or flight, like it actually does kind of like kick up your, your your brain works a little bit differently, and so you can't. There's certain things you can't do, you know. When it's like when your adrenaline's jack, like all of a sudden they say people are stronger, yeah, you know, and uh, it's it's that kind of thing. The anxiety, like to a degree, in the moment of it. it so there's like the anxiety of, of like a bit, like the anticipation as being something about anxiety. And then there's being in the moment and just feeling anxious and feeling uncomfortable. and But sometimes that, it's like when I was doing, um, I did that uh, murder mystery theater thing. So I, was, I did this murder mystery theater thing. And I, uh, I decided in the middle of like, a sh- uh, like the whole day before the performance, I was so nervous that I was shaking. And I had, oh, I was like, I'm gonna forget my lines. like I, I, The whole show was riding on me. Because of the way that they do these shows. It's really hard. This one person basically no. runs the entire thing. And if you screw up or break character or anything, it's over. And so in the moment, I was so I well rehearsed that I could just kind of like let... I could... Like my nerves kind of like faded away because I was like, I'm just in it now. It's like hitting the play button and on a movie and just letting it go. So, like so- all of a sudden it becomes like... You're talking about like autonomic or whatever. It's, it's like that's being that... So being practiced in that way is like super helpful. Um, but you're not going to be able to do that. Like if a customer comes in all pissed off, you're not going to be rehearsed. But if you have enough people that you deal with, don't run away from those opportunities because that's what you have to look at them like their opportunities because someone comes in and they're pissed off like this dude, um, that we had that used to come into the store. He would yell at us and stuff And, and he would make up crap and, um, it, it just was one of those, it was one of those situations where every time that guy came in, I was like freaking out. But over time, I learned a lot about how to deal with upset customers because of dealing with this guy. You know what I mean? Oh, I, I, I lost you. you Can't hear you.
1: I know what you mean. Sorry, I got my mic stolen from me. I was hoping he was going to chime right in. But no, I I exactly know what you mean. In fact, we referenced it on an earlier episode when you talk about knowing something so well. You brain rehearsed it so often that it's almost like brain muscle memory. So uh, it's a a really beautiful integration of those concepts that I've never thought about before. So I really appreciate the way you shared that.
0: Well done, me.
1: Well done. Declan, do you want to say hi? No, I Say hi. Oh, can you say bye Hello.
0: we're about bye. to we're about to go
1: yeah we're about to go can you say bye say bye
0: bye say
1: bye can you wave at dad
0: can you wave at me say bye 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 oh that's cute <laughs> alright um, good job let's wrap up here yep. for the day for the, for the week episode 10 of You Don't Sound Autistic I'm Blake and I'm Rochelle and we will be back